is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rams Review Podcast. It's been a long international break. They always seem very long when there's no championship football to talk about, Um, but obviously there's still internationals going on. But we are going to be looking ahead to Saturday's game where the championship is back in action and the Rams visit Deepdale to take on the Lily Whites and Preston North End. And to join me today to talk about Preston, because Jason Jason is away on work, so he will be back with us shortly. But I've got George Hodgson. He is the Preston North End writer for Lanx Live. George, how are we? Yeah, good, mate. Good to speak, good to, speak to you. Thanks for having us on. No, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, international breaks for you, George. Do you get do you able to get away a little bit as a, as a writer, or is there always something going on? Because I know from a Derby County perspective, our writers always try to take these holidays and then it's Derby County. So there's never really a holiday. There's always something going on, but from a, from a Preston point of view, are you always able to enjoy an international break sometimes? Yeah, definitely. I've only been in the job just over a year myself, but this has been a nice break to be honest, because although we're not playing in the matches and things, the, the schedule of a journalist is pretty similar to that other player in terms of travel and, you know, the mental sort of side of it and things. So you can't really switch off when the matches are, you know, three games a week. So I've had five days off in a row now and I feel better for it. Um, with us, we have a few players away on international duty, but just a case of keeping your eye on things like that. Um, obviously, the transfer window's in the sort of back of our minds now. So, yeah, it's been a nice, nice week. So I want to talk to you, George, about... Preston because I I got the sense last season when we talked to a few of the Preston lads from from the Finney and various different uh, podcasts and things like that that I wouldn't say that they were I wouldn't say they were discontent with with North End but I think they were not necessarily happy it felt it feels like to me on the outside looking in that Preston seemed like a team that are kind of stuck in neutral like they're they're probably not going to go down they're probably not going to go up I, I was looking at the league table and and they're currently 18th, which doesn't doesn't seem doesn't seem great from a North End perspective. So walk me through walk me through that. Is is Preston? Are they on a team on the on the rise? Are they a team going down? What's going on with Preston, and why are they 18th in the table? Um, well, we sort of came up from League One in 2015. Um, we're happy to sort of stabilise under Simon Grayson for a couple of years, which he did really well. Sunderland then came in for Simon. Um, Alex Neal came in raised the expectations, you know, got us playing a bit of a more exciting brand of football. And, uh, you know, he, he got, he had a really good squad. Well, didn't cost a lot, but he, he made it into a really good squad and had a lot of players playing at the top of their game who've gone on to, you know, sort of bigger clubs and some of the Premier League as well. Um, uh, we got us to seventh in his first season, you know, Derby pipped us to the sixth spot in that season. I think it went down to the final day. Um, but, you know, the, the belief around the club was still that Alex was the right man 
and uh, you know with a bit of backing in transfer windows or you know, a little bit of luck along the way we could get into that top six you know I think the first time we'd really had belief that Preston could get there since we last did in I think it was 2009 and um, so there was a really good feeling around the club with a young ambitious manager like Alex and a very likeable group of players and um, I think he finished 14th in his second season you know there was a lot of injuries in that year and but, you know, you could still see the brand of football was still there, um, which, you know, led to belief going into 2019-20. Um, and we were, we were in the top six for the majority of that season. Uh, and then when COVID came along, I think we, was it about nine games? I think we won two, draw a few and, and lost a few and slipped out of the top six, which was a real shame because we went top of the league in November, um, picked up points against some of the big teams and, we were in that top six for the majority of that. Um, but that was a real blow. And then on, on reflection, that was the final season with the likes of Ben Pearson, Ben Davis. They were two top, top, top championship players and they've been missed since they left. Um, and towards the end of Alex's campaign, the football started to become pretty dull to watch, to be honest. We lost a re remarkable amount of games last season. I think it was 20, 21, 22 games, won a lot, but we were either winning or losing and fans were disconnected with the club because they were watching from home, as all fans were. And, you know, social media was the only real barometer you had and frustration was growing. And he, he lost his job with eight games to go at the end of last season. Um, there weren't many complaints about that, but, but people were sorry to see him go and sort of felt he'd go on to get another good job in the Championship, which he's not done yet, but... I'm sure I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, Frankie McAvoy kept, kept us up, obviously, because there was a bit of fear at the end of last season. But he did really well, his record in them final eight games. And, and then that brings us on to this season. Um, got off to a bad start, lost our first three and sort of picked it up a bit recently. But I think you, you touched on it. There was a sort of feeling of stagnation and I'd say more that Preston have gone back to when Simon Grayson came to the club and was trying to stabilise. I think Frankie's job is to sort of start it all over again um, and then slowly try and compete in the top half of the table again. Walk and me, I know that's walk, a really walk. long answer, but uh, there we go. George, walk me through Frankie McAvoy because I know there's the McAvoy who's the actor who my mom is a big fan of, but <laughs> Frankie McAvoy... He doesn't have a. He doesn't necessarily have a long CV of being a, being a manager, and and he gets the Preston job. So so who is who is Frankie McAvoy? Um, he was Alex's assistant at Hamilton at Norwich, um, and with us. And I don't I don't think Frankie was ever a real sort of professional footballer. I mean, I'd have to check that. I think he may have played a little bit, but he's been in coaching for, you know, quite a few years now. Um. Very different to Alex, I must say. He's uh, sort of the man and man management side of his game is probably his strongest point. And that seems to be the message coming from the squad. And sure, obviously, you don't get your job if you don't know the the tactic, tactical, tactical side of the game. But he's a really sort of likable fella, um, and he's got a sort of management business background as well. Um, but yeah, massive first job for him this summer. Um, you know the rec the record he had in them final eight games. I think made Preston's decision pretty easy. Um, still got to convince some of the fans. I think that he's the right man to take Preston forward, but not doing too bad at the moment. Um, I think a lot of fans would have taken mid-table finish this season. 
obviously 18th is a bit disappointing at this stage, but you're probably a couple of wins off that Preston should have had been in a better position. Do you think that part of McAvoy's problem is that he's not a very well-known name? And if you had somebody who had the same kind of record that he has had since he's been at North End under a different name, then the fans would be a little bit more accepting of him. And it's just the fact that this is kind of like a nobody Alex Neal's kind of thing. But if he was a somebody other of another name, they would they would take more kind to him. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's an easy, you know, easy tag to sort of throw at him if we lose a couple of games. Because at the start of the season myself, I wasn't really sure what had happened. And when you lose your first three games, you know, panic really does start to set in then because, you know, Frankie has never had that number one job before. He even said himself, he never envisaged, envisaged himself getting a number one job. Um, Paul Gallagher's the first team coach. This is his first, you know, full-time coaching role as well and the squad was still pretty new at the same time so all those things combined you know when you lose your first three matches it's pretty worrying but um, I'm sure you know Frankie like I said he seems very well liked by the squad um, and a couple of results will really you know these next four or five matches are absolutely massive for him. And I want to I want to talk about the the squad here George because I know Preston I think the last time they broke their transfer record I think was for David Healy in the early 2000s, I think. And then Scott Sinclair, I think they paid with one and a half million and that was the biggest transfer for a while. But there's a few names in this squad that I want to get your opinion on and, and your thoughts on here. Um, obviously, they've got the Liverpool Loney, Seth, Seth Vandenberg, um, who, was, who was highly thought of when he's come over from Liverpool, obviously not ready for that squad and that, that competitive level that Liverpool were playing at. Um, but two players in, in, in positions up top uh, that I want to talk about. One is Connor Wickham, who, who Darby were linked to uh, last, last summer, the summer before that. Um, he's joined the club on a free transfer unattached. And also there's a player, Chet Evans, in there who um, has had legal issues in the past and everything like that. We know what went on at Sheffield United when they were at him and there was the issue with Justine Ennis Hill. Um, and he's at Preston. So, so walk me through one Connor Wickham. Um, how's he doing? Is he, a big, is he a big part? Is he still getting up to fitness? And then two, Chet Evans. How's he doing and how are the fans taking to him with those, with those past issues as well? Yeah, just going back to the uh, transfer fees, I think, you know, unofficially Healy is still the record. I think Ben Whiteman may have broken it like back in January. So I'm not 100% on that. I think it was about similar fee for Healy. Um, but the, yeah, the two players you mentioned, Connor Wickham, obviously on trial for about three or four weeks. Um, we needed another striker up there because Izzy Brown was brought in as a sort of versatile option and he was ruled out for the season pretty early on. Um, obviously a player with a bad recent injury record and then for the club to go for Wickham, you, you worried it was going to be the um, same again. Um, took a few weeks for him to uh, be signed. The deal made sense short term on until January, middle of January. Um, and then five minutes into his debut as a starter, he pulls up and he's had a really bad hamstring injury and they've had to withdraw him from the 25-man squad. So you've got a feel for Connor, you know, that you can blame the club for not for going for a player with that record, but he's got a decent pedigree. Um, and the deal mate, the deal wasn't a massive risk because only a few months, but I, I doubt we'll see him again in the Preston shirt, to be honest. Um, given yeah, it seems very, that it seems, seems yeah, very Connor got, Wickham to, to pick up an injury like that because his injury's been blighted with career, uh, injuries. So, so yeah, you've got to, yeah, you just hope he can get back and find a club and enjoy the rest of his career because he's 29, I think, now and doesn't look good for him. Um, so that's a real shame. Uh, 
Evans has had a bit of a few injury worries this year, uh, but you have to say he was excellent last season in the behind closed doors games. He he came in, the reaction was uh, you know really really negative on online, um, and it took a while to get some fans on side with the signing. Obviously, for everything you mentioned, but also you know the fact he was from Fleetwood and he was 32, and it there was just a lot of things fans didn't understand about it. Um, but on the pitch, he was a lot, lot better than many of us expected. Very different, bit of an old school forward, bashed his centre halves up and scored about four or five goals as well. So he definitely played his part. Um, there's some, there's some fans who won't be on side with it still, um, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but. Uh, the manager Alex, when he was here, spoke spoke about it openly. Um, Chad spoke openly about it as well, um, and it'll be a boost when he's back from full fitness. But I'm not sure if he gets in the squad at the minute, in the team at the minute, I should say. So, George, when when we when we when we roll up to to Deep Dale or we watch it on TV or uh, we listen to it on the radio. What what are these what are, what are we expecting from Preston here? What what are what how do they how do they set up tactically? How does Frankie McAvoy set this team up to to compete at this level? Uh, he switched us to a three five two formation, which I think you'll see a lot of teams playing this year. It certainly seemed like it last season. A lot of teams reverted to it, and seems I'd say more than half certainly are playing that wing back system now. So um, we went to a back four against Brentford last season mid-game and ended up losing 5-0 and we did it on the opening day of the season this season and got beat 4-1 by Hull. So he really doesn't trust his defenders to play in a back four, which, you know, after losing Ben Davis um, and a few full-backs better in wing-back roles, you've got to give it credit Give credit to Frankie because he's, he's found a system that's, you know, doing a job for now. I don't think it's the long-term thing, but, yeah, we'll be in that 3-5-2 um, Wing-backs pushing on high, young, athletic. Um, Daniel Johnson, sort of the creative spark in the middle um, with a couple behind him, whether it's Brown, uh, Ledson or Whiteman or new signing McCann. Um, and then Emil Reese is up top, um, providing that pace and power and someone next to him to sort of link it together. Yeah, it does seem 3-5-2 is very in vogue with the athletic fullbacks bombing on and yeah, on those yeah. kind of things. One of the players you mentioned there is another player I wanted to talk about was um, Emil Reese Jacobson because he was a, he was a youth player at Derby. Obviously, didn't work yes. out for him. He, he bounced around a bit and he seems to have found a home at Preston. And he does very much seem a, a talismanic uh, character for for North End. So walk me walk me through the power and pace of of Reese. Yeah, he's he's an intriguing player to watch. I have to say, he's not really seen many like him. Very very unique. Um, still a bit raw, a bit loose. You know, you never really know what's going to happen when he gets the ball or what he's what's going through his mind. But he's certainly someone you'd, you'd pay your hard-earned money to go and watch because he gets you on the edge of his seat. He might just do the unexpected. And the only thing, well, there was a few things needed tidying up, tidying up last season with his game, but he just needed to add more goals. I think he only scored three and one was a penalty in the cup. So that was the thing, thing he really needed to add. But I think Frankie's been good for him. He's got his head in a good, good space. Um, obviously, he's a young lad. He came over from Denmark and was sort of stuck in his flat on his own, which he said didn't help. And but he's he sort of cleared his head this season. And you know, Preston wouldn't really wouldn't have had the season they've had or picked up the results they've they've done without him because he's been the main goal threat. And he's he still misses chances, but he's always in the right place. And um, 
uh, he's having a good season, yeah. So, George, turning our attention to the game um, on Saturday, where Darby, Darby's a team that, uh, despite being bottom of the league, you know, without the points deduction would be obviously 12 points up higher at the table. Um, but, you know, th- this team has fought pretty well. This team is um, doing what it can to get results and everything like that. Where are some, where are some areas, obviously, because we're hopeful that Wayne Rooney listens to the podcast, not confirmed, uh, but you never know. You, know, you can always live in hope. Um, you know, if Wayne, if Wayne's listening here, where should he be setting out his tactical stall to be able to attack Preston, to be able to get a result? Uh, it's a good question. I think one thing Frankie has done is made us pretty solid other than that first game against Hull. So I don't think anyone's going to come to Deepdale and, you know, just cut us wide open and things. But I think crosses have been an issue. Um, West Patrick Bauer's crucial in defence. Hopefully he's fit for the game because he's that physical commanding presence. Um, but yeah, West Brom, don't know if you've played them yet, but the long throws, you know, you, you felt that was always going to cause an issue and they event, eventually scored from it. Um, but yeah, I think with those, Seth Vandenberg and Josh Earl at wing back, they're, they've both been good this season, but they're both young and uh, you can get at us um, with crosses and things. So uh, that may be something for Rooney to exploit, but I'm sure he's got a better idea than me. <laughs> and then what, what's, what's, the, what's the strength of this Preston team where you feel that they can, they can, they can cause issues? Yeah, I think it goes back to being that sort of solid unit where, um, you know, they conceded three at QPR last time, but you, you always feel they've got a chance of getting a result and it might, might a one goal might sort of decide a game with them this season. Um, they look a team, they look all together. Um, Reese is of a threat. If you you know if you tra- on transition, back to Johnson and Reese um, and wing backs pushing on, that's a real threat. Um, and they found a way of scoring different goals. You know, defenders have chipped in and things. So just a well-rounded sort of team at the minute that's just lacking that ruthless edge in the final third, that real sort of clinical streak that makes the difference at this level. Um, but yeah, I think you know Derby will come and hope, hopefully we'll give them a tough game. So George, I'm gonna push you here for a score prediction uh, for the match. You'll be up in the press box, obviously. Thoughts on thoughts on how's this game gonna go? Uh, like I said, it's a re- it's a really big big game for us for the manager. You know, we've been on a run of draws. We drew five in a row and then lost the QPR last time out when we really shouldn't. Um, so we've got Derby and Coventry, and then a massive game against Blackpool away. You know, with massive rivalry with them, and we've not played them for 11 years in a league game. Um, so this is a after the break. You know, Preston need to start well in this, and hope that pressure doesn't get to them too much. You know, I, I thought Derby had struggled this year, but to be fair, they've you know checked most weeks. They've been picking results up and things. So credit to them. I don't think you know we'll walk over them at all. I think it might be quite a close game, an ugly game. Um, but, you know, just given how big this is for Preston to get off to a start and pick up that win, I think they, they might just do it. Um, so I'll go for 2-1 to us. Sorry, Derby fans. <laughs> Georgia, it's funny because I was going to pick 2-1 to Derby uh, because they've been yeah. they've been a decent form, but I could see it kind of going um, either way. And, and George, before I let you go, I've got one more question for you. Um, you get to visit all these press boxes all up and down the country, right? Um, What's what's the food like at the Deep Dale um, press box? Is it is it is it takeaway sandwiches? Is it, are they have like a chef prepared meal? Is Delia Smith cooking up something back there? I mean, what, what's going on? Uh, 
Yeah, not bad to be fair. Um, hot food on a plate. Have a couple of options, bit of veg. So yeah, fills a hole. Nothing Michelin star, but um, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Fair better enough. than Sheffield United. Better than Sheffield United the other night, I have to say. See, I've heard, I've heard that with Sheffield. We were talking about because they were charging Derby fans forty-one pound to go to Bremer Lane, and then we were talking to some of the lads at the Sheffield United way, and they were just talking about how the atmosphere was just terrible and like some of the things in the ground. So. It's funny it even filters up to the press box as well. And George, have you ever been to Pride Park? <laughs> yeah, I've been a few times. What's, yeah. the, what's the what's the food like up there at Pride Park? You know what? I don't know if I've had. Yeah, I've only been in COVID, so there was no food at all last season, unfortunately. Oh. So I'll have to get back to you when um, when we come to your place. But lovely facilities and yeah, nice ground at Derby. So not a bad trip for us. Fair enough. And, and George, I want to thank you for spending the spending some time with me this evening and giving me the lowdown on, on Preston. I really appreciate it. No worries. Enjoyed it, mate. Best of luck uh, for the season, but you know, not on Saturday. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice likewise. One. And we'll we'll catch up on the on the return fixture. Rams fans, that was George Hodgson from Lanks Live. He's the Preston North End writer. Um, and we will we will we will be with you shortly. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fanhub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, check in on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the Fanhub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast, for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back Four and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back Four provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well amazing clothing range they've got some awesome derby stuff so go and check them out and we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season so stay tuned for that and our second partnership is going to be with the six yard out folks they do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts all kind of things derby county they've got england mugs derby county mugs and various different kits and you can get them customized and have old players on them um, some really amazing things you can use rams review as a, as a coupon code there as well, and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's, that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. And our thanks to George, George Hodson there from Langs Live, the Preston North End reporter, for, for giving us the lowdown and some insights on the match at the weekend against the Lily Whites at Deepdale. But now joining me to talk all things Derby County, after this international break, obviously we spoke, Jason and I spoke with Ed Dawes at the beginning of the international break, but this is Derby, so things do change. Coming towards the end of this international break, I've got none other than Andy Buckley-Taylor joining me to talk all things Derby County. Andy, how the heck are we? I'm not so bad, uh, thanks. Uh, getting ready for the uh, season to uh, restart and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I said to George, George was enjoying his little bit of a break. Uh, for five days where you didn't have to talk about or think about football. But these international breaks are, are a little bit boring, aren't they, Andy, sometimes? Uh, yeah, they can be. Um, I always try and uh, keep myself occupied, uh, pop over, see some uh, non-league football, 
or in fact, uh, my son's football keeps me busy as well. But um, some some people see them as a bit of a breather. Um, the hardened fans see them as a, a a bit of an inconvenience, and uh, it breaks up the season. It does, and it seems a little weird as well when you're hearing about FIFA potentially going to a, a World Cup every other year, um, and then you're they're talking about potentially stopping the season for a whole month to do qualifiers so that they wouldn't be these disruptions in the season. And it's just, it's just like, why, why are you having to mess with the game that we love? Um, oh, and whatever. Yeah. And I mean, the shocking thing is that Arsene Wenger is the one who's doing this one man you would think that has, that understands the game of football and what it means, but that is shocking. A two-year world cup. I will flat out tell you, Andy, and I'll tell, tell flat out, tell anybody who comes to me, that is a stupid idea of the highest order. World cup should be every four oh. years. Sorry. It's bonkers. It's raving bonkers. Um, that, that will end uh, all the other the continental competitions, you know, like the Euros and uh, uh, the Cup of Nations and uh, the Americas competitions, you know, uh, all, yeah. of, all of them will be gone. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. But, uh, what a ridiculously stupid idea. I think that they need to reduce the number of international fixtures, then increase them. But, it's you know, some random money grab by the powers that be because there's a lot of money floating around. Um, I, I like it how yeah. it is now. I like yeah. we've we got the Euros, we've got the World Cup, and instead of too many meaningless friendlies, we have the Nations League, and I, I, I think that's perfect how it is now. Perfect. I mean, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, the Nations League, I watched that last night, um, definitely thought Mbappe was offside uh, without a question of a doubt <laughs> in my mind. He was definitely off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's thrilling what they get away with these friendlies and then to give other smaller teams – the ability to compete against other teams as well. I know when we spoke to Mark Poom not too long ago, he's the, he's one of the coaches at, with Estonia, you know, they're in that nation's league and they take that very seriously because now they can compete with countries in and around them. And it's an incentive to try to get up to the next level and it helps their development. Um, and, and those kind of things as well. And it's important because Andy, I mean, for me, obviously I'm American, but I've got this affinity for England. So my international team that I follow is England. You obviously follow England as well. And so for, for fans of these big nations, you know, you kind of sometimes realize, you don't realize sometimes what it means for the smaller nations to be able to compete it at a tournament or in qualifying and those kind of things as well. So, um, you know, I, I think the Nations League is a fantastic idea and, and hopefully hopefully continues to grow, um, not in terms of teams, but in terms of popularity um, and, and becoming a little bit more of a, a structured thing uh, would, be, would be very, very nice. But uh, Andy, I want to get your thoughts here. On some, on some Derby County stuff, because there was some news today um, regarding the administration that Derby are in. The administrators are going to try to appeal the 12-point deduction that was mandatory from the EFL for a team going into um, administration because the administrators feel that the club would not have gone into administration had COVID not occurred. So therefore, it's kind of like a special case. So therefore, the points deduction should either be null and void or should be reduced what, what are your thoughts on this andy because i have some opinions myself but i want, I want to get your thoughts on it first uh i, ho I hope they're fully tough before i start um <clears throat> before a comment uh i want to make clear that i still believe um the main reason um for us going into administration uh the underlying reason is reckless spending by mel morris the previous owner or and those that helped him spend his money but there is a but here if the administrators have gone in 
and now they would have done projections on how much we would have um, how much money we would have coming in had COVID not struck had we been playing to you know stadiums of 25,000 plus and uh, they, they will base this on uh, uh, previous years maybe the previous five six years something like that they will have a good idea of how much money would have been coming in now we would still have been in uh, massive debt but um, maybe there is um, evidence there to suggest that had we not um, uh, had to play in front of empty stadiums due to COVID, that we may have avoided um, administration. But uh, another way, uh, another thing you have to look at, though, is would administration been inevitable eventually? You know, are we just kicking the can down the road and would, had, would administration have happened at a later date? But I mean, that's all speculative because um, we know that uh, Mel Morris has been to, was trying to sell the club. He had been for two years. We had the uh, two uh, abortive attempts to buy the club. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you would have to, I think, based on an opinion, it would have to be based on whether the belief is that the club would have been sold. Um, I, I think you would have to work out if it's possible using uh, financial projections of when we would likely to have entered administration, um, <laughs> uh, even if COVID hadn't struck, because if he hadn't sold the club, um, there's, I, I think administration would have been inevitable in the long term. But it's just uh, it's the question of when when uh, we uh, would have you know ended up uh, calling in the administrators. So I can see there's some logic behind this, and the administrators are not going to fork out. Well, it's not them forking out, but three hundred thousand pounds if this was just uh, a, a, a no hope situa situation. Um, they've obviously got some belief that uh, maybe, um, you know, there is, um, there is a point here that uh, it wouldn't have happened at this particular time. But my own opinion is, though, even though I don't think this is a, a no-hope appeal, my, my, my own views are, is, are that we would have entered administration at a later date um, had Mel Morris not sold the club. And he was very, you know, he was unsuccessful. Um, he didn't manage to uh, get the club sold. Uh, but now we're in administration. And there are several uh, parties uh, looking, seriously looking at purchasing the club. And uh, I think maybe because, uh, you know, they, they feel they can get it on the cheap. But we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think if we are successful, the whole 12 points is, uh, is going to be reinstated. What well, my own opinion is you, you know, possibly a reduction, but uh, we'll have to wait and see because I think this is going to be a bit of a test case for football. I think other clubs will look at this. Clubs, uh, I'm sure there's other clubs that uh, are in uh, tight financial situations. So, uh, you know, uh, 
they, they'll look at this situation and uh, see how we get on. If, if we're successful, I think it will set a precedent and uh, other clubs will follow. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. I think it's a, it's a very, I wouldn't say a dangerous game, but it, it's a very important decision that the EFL have to make here because if the EFL rule in favor of Derby's point deduction or point deduction reduction, I guess, I guess that's, that's a rhyme there. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, poet and didn't know it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, you could see a lot more clubs try to get rid and shed the debt by going into administration to, to just try to, to get balance the books and, and kind of start fresh. I think from my perspective, when I, when I read that this morning, I mean, you make some very good points and I, and I agree with you. Um, you know, I think it's, it's worth a try. Why not? You know, if, if the opportunity is there and you think that you can prove it, but for me, sometimes it just feels like, you know what? I, I agree with you, Andy. I think that, that Darby have been financially mismanaged for years. I think that a lot of us could see that this was going to eventually come down the road. I mean, I remember when the stadium was sold and everyone was like, Oh yeah, look at this. Mel Morris has got like, you know, everybody hates Darby and whatever and, and whatnot. And it's like, eventually someone's going to get fed up of that. And someone's eventually going to call the club out and, and make them, you know, pay the piper, so to speak. And, and that's what they're having to do now by making these tough decisions. Um, yeah. And I just think that, I just think that financial mismanagement, Darby, were going to go into administration one way or another. I think there was only one way. And I think that the EFL charges were going to come one way or another because we knew the gross expenditure, the expenditure was, was, was vastly more than what they should have been spending. But for me, it's like, you know, you go into administration. Yes, I understand the side of the coin and the argument. I, I do get it. And I, look, I love Darby County. I understand the, the, uh, the reasoning behind appealing it. But for me as a, as a football fan and from just a perspective of Darby County fan, it's like, you know what? Just take your 12-point deduction on the chin. Let's, let's draw a line under the fact that we've gone into administration let's focus on other matters. Let's get this club sold. Let's get this thing going on because it always just feels like with Darby, all these appeals and these counter appeals, it just feel, feels very desperate. It feels some very, just, yeah, like I said, it just feels very desperate for um, what Darby are going to do. And I just like them to say, you know what? The rule is 12 points to go into administration. You went into administration and yes, Darby have been impacted by COVID. I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. I'm not a finance guy. I have not looked at Darby County's books. I don't claim to have looked at their books. I don't claim to be in the know at all. But a COVID, COVID has impacted every team's books. Every team outside the Premier League has had their, their bottom lines impacted by coronavirus because they can't have fans in stadiums. And that's just not in England. That's in the cross of Europe. That's in um, countries around the world. They're all being impacted by the issues of coronavirus, not only in football, but in other sports as well. And so you're looking at it and it's like, okay, yeah, well, Darby County were affected, but Darby County is not the center of the footballing world. There are other teams out there as well. Yes, I understand why Darby's doing it. I, I get it, okay? And I understand why the administrations are doing it. And it is very clever. I understand that. Yes, got it. Hopefully it's reduced. Hopefully it's reduced because it'll help Darby stay in this division. But in the same token, it's like, you know, the penalty for going to administration is 12 points. And that's, that's what the penalty is. And so to make the argument about COVID, a lot of other teams can make the argument about COVID. But like you said, Andy, there, a lot of other teams haven't financially spent above their means for, for years, for years to get to this point. So you sit there and you think, okay, one hand, I can understand this. On the second hand, it's like, just, just take your 12-point penalty and go home and just deal with it and, and just move on. And, and then, we can, then we can finally stop with these appeals. Stop with these. The only people that win in these appeals, Andy, are the lawyers. Because they're the ones. Oh yeah, yeah. 
they're making they they want people to appeal. They're they're fine because you got EFL lawyers and you got Darby County lawyers, and they're just hammer and tongue. And they've been doing this. Some of these some of these lawyers are only have litigated five or six cases, and they'll end up being able to retire as millionaires. They're the only people that are winning in this situation. Nobody else is winning. Everybody's been impacted by COVID. So Corey, while he puts his soapbox away, take your 12-point deduction, go home. But on the flip side, I can understand why you're doing it. It does seem a very clever tactic. But me personally, just take your 12 points and let's just move on. You, you, you went to do administration. You know what the rule is. The rule is 12 points. Got it. The impacts of COVID have impacted everybody. Yes, I'm sure they've impacted Darby County. But Darby County were more impacted by COVID because of the financial mismanagement from the previous owner, which you mentioned there, Mel Morris, and from the financial mismanagement of the chief executive, Stephen Pierce, that have been going through for years. That is the reason Darby County are in this mess, not because of COVID. COVID is a blip, a small blip, maybe a medium-sized blip in a much larger financial mess of Darby County. Corey, I mean, I was listening to the radio earlier on today. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I caught the, the conversation right, but I heard something along the lines that Rick Parry um, is going to work to see the end of parachute payments. Now, um, going off at a tangent of it, Fulham earlier on, well, pre-season, they signed Harry Wilson. They'd agreed a fee for Harry Wilson. Yep. But the, the first payment has been deferred till next season. So it's effectively like... Um, They've got him on loan for a season, but they have an obligation to purchase him. And I was discussing this with a Fulham fan that I regularly converse with um, at the start of the season. And I said to him, well, what's going on here? He says, well, if we can't um, put him in, put it in as a transfer this season because we will fail financial fair play. And I'm thinking to myself here, now hold on a minute, Fulham have been a yo-yo club, you know, they've been up, down, up, down. They've got these generous parachute payments coming in. So if, if, if their books are that, in, in, in that sort of a mess, um, when, when they got all, when they got all this money coming in, you know, you just wonder how many other teams are like that, you know, uh, how many other teams are kicking that can down the road? So, you know, I don't think we're alone. But uh, I, I actually think the whole, um, the whole issue of financing football needs a good look at now because there's, there's that imbalance. You've got uh, the riches of the Premier League and they are, you know, they're on stacks and stacks of money, a lot, lot more money than what a championship side is. Then you've got the sides relegated with the generous uh, parachute payments. And uh, then you've got the, the, the other clubs that are, are trying to play catch up. And obviously there's, there's teams that will try and beat the system because they're not, they, they know that they're at a big disadvantage because of the parachute payments. There's, there's, a, whole, there's a whole big, big uh, mess here that really wants a good sort out. You know, there needs to be a, the, the imbalance needs to be a lot more progressive. You know, you know the, um, the gaps between Premier League through the sides relegated, through the, the, the rest of the clubs within the championship and all through the, the divisions, you need a much, much more progressive um, financial plan. But you're not going to get it because you, you've got two governing bodies, haven't you? 
you've got the uh, the FA Premier League, and you've got the EFL. I agree with you, Andy, and I 100% agree. I think parachute payments need to be have a, need to have a rethink. I think that that is part of the reason causing financial issues up and down the the, the footballing pyramid in, in in the United Kingdom. I think that that you know a team like Fulham to be able to afford Harry Wilson and then be able to defer payment. I mean that's basically sticking two fingers up to the EFL like Derby did years ago with the stadium. And then, I mean, to cap it off, Andy, you're forgetting the fact that they signed Tottenham Hotspur's backup goalkeeper as well um, <laughs> yeah. on London wages. So it's not like Gazaniga's coming to play for four and a half thousand a week, right? Let's just be honest here. Um, and it does seem, it does seem a little sketchy and they're just blatantly flaunting the rules. And what's going to happen is, oh, and they also signed an 8 million pound lad from Brazil as well, Munoz. So yeah, you know, let's talk about Fulham, but you know, there's a lot of these parachute payment teams. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Middlesbrough. The money's run out there. Gibson's going to be kicking and screaming like he normally does because the parachute payments run out. I know in the playoff final against Derby with Aston Villa, Aston Villa hadn't gone up that season. That team's being broken apart because Jack Grealish and Tyrone Mings they can't afford them because of the parachute payments are reduction. So you have a team that goes for three years that tries to make it back up, can't ultimately do it, and then has issues later on financially. And I think it, it, there is an imbalance, and I do think something needs to happen. Personally, Andy, what I would like to see is I'd like to see a lot more money taken out of the game um, at, at the professional level because, you know, I understand that the football economy is different than the other economies and it does not work the same as any other kind of labor force or any other kind of economy that you can think of. Football is this very weird, insular kind of, of its own making. But I would like to see a little bit of money taken out because, you know, that's the incentives to get to the Premier League. From Mel Morris, it was worth it was worth bankrupting Derby County to try to do it. It was worth, and not just Derby County. There's there's countless other teams, you know, Wigan and Bolton. I mean, Bolton. I think when they got into administration, there was something ridiculous when they were in the Prem. I think it was like 653 million pounds in debt or something like that. Don't don't quote me, but that's the that's the figure I kind of remember. And they're still rebuilding. You look at Portsmouth under Milan Mandrich. Um, they're they're still rebuilding after Harry Redknapp was there because Harry Redknapp went in and spent a bunch of money. They're in League One trying to get back up. Sunderland's paying That's the price and everything like that, you know? So, so it's not just Derby. It's a lot of other teams that are having these financial issues. And I 100% agree with you. I think the entire finance football finance world needs to have a rethink. I think people need to start realizing that it is just football at the end of the day. Um, there are bigger things in life than football. Um, you know, footballers have too much power and too much influence. A lot of them do some of, some of them use their platforms for good. Um, and just money just needs to be either redistributed or just taken up the game because it's just, it's just ridiculous now to try to be able to compete. And like you say, that's going to lead to other teams having to take over. Like I know that Fulham have got these players. I have to sign players now to try to beat Fulham because I think Fulham's the best team in the league or, or whatever. And if I finish ahead of Fulham, I've probably got a good chance of going up and that's, that's unstable. And, and it's not, it's not right for the, for the future of the game. And, and unfortunately, Andy, I mean, I was hoping that COVID, the post-COVID football economy would have had some sort of reset from the years of the 200 million pound Neymar transfers. Um, but it just seems financially that things are just going crazy right now. And it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous with how much money is floating around in the game and how many, you know, people are being, are being leveraged for this. And, and at the end of the day, Andy, it comes down to, it comes down to you and it comes down to me. It comes down to, to people up and down the country who go and watch football week in and week out, who buy the season tickets, who go and buy a pint, who go buy a pie, who spend their, you know, hard earned money. I mean, you look at, you look at, you look at England, right. A couple of weeks ago, Andy, there was, there was gas shortages, right. Petrol shortages. 
did, did any of the, did any of the Premier League teams get called off? No, because they were flying private jets and taking team. But we got to we got to play football. We, we've we've got to play football. There's there's a gas shortage, but we have to have football playing. Um, to be fair though, that 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 was just idiotic people. There wasn't an actual shortage. It was we've got less drivers now. You know, since we right because um, of Brexit. Yeah, the HGV drivers yeah. can't get in yet. Yeah, and um, because there's less drivers, um, the the deliveries are not quite so frequent. And, of course, the the mad British person, when they're told not to panic, they panic. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, uh, I I, I was wondering if a few people were going to be trading their COVID uh, toilet rolls for for diesel and petrol. (laughs) Oh no! You've got to have a big roll of toilet rolls, Andy. That's how. That's how you know social status. I've got more rolls than you, so I can get ahead of the petrol trumps than you, and that and that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think I just was hoping that COVID would would shake the money out. But you know, you see these Premier League games and you see these things, and and they just keep happening. The money's just money's just floating around. But you know, money conversations and me and football it makes me sound very cynical. It makes me sound like I've got an axe to grind. But you know, at the end of the day, I love football. I love. I love everything about it. And it's just, it's just one of the elements that I feel that, you know, needs, needs reforming within the game. Andy, I, I want to switch gears here a little bit more to, to Darby. Um, we put a post out the other day, two posts, actually, and I want to get your, your, uh, your thoughts on them. First, first point of discussion. Um, who's your starting goalkeeper against Preston and, and, and for the foreseeable next few games, is it Ryan Alsop or is it Kelleries? I would leave Ryan Alsop in. Um, he's uh, the, He's had two league games. He, he's performed very well. I think he commands his box a little bit better than uh, Keller Roos anyway. Um, you'll know I'm not a big Keller Roos fan, but I will give him credit that uh, this season, overall, he's, he's played very well. But um, it, it, I, I, I can't see any justi- justification for uh, dropping all sorts. I think yeah. Roos is going to have to bide his time and, you know, wait for his next chance. But... Uh, no, uh, definitely stick with all salt. I agree. If it's don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, and you yeah. know, I, I'm with you, Andy. I think Kel Roos has upped his game this season. I think he's still prone to the odd mistake, and you know, it's just something about goalkeepers and with man buns that I just does not. I can't. I can't normally necessarily trust uh, all the time. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, Ryan Allsop for me. I think he's got to continue in goal until he proves that he's he's unworthy of being in goal because. Again, he's played well. I know he had a bit of a slow start with a few mistakes earlier on, but last couple of games, he's looked very solid. Uh, Andy, the second post we put out was about Ravel Morrison. Um, thoughts on thoughts on Ravel's season season so far, because he had a bit of a nomadic career. And I think when he, when he, when he was signed, he was one of these players. And I did this with CKR as well. I was kind of like, seriously, Ravel Morrison? One, he's still around. Two, he's only 28, 28 29 years old. That's nuts. Uh, and three... Darby County, really? Um, th- thoughts on Ravel Morrison, Andy? Well, it it was a gamble at the start of the season. Every, everybody said it was a gamble. Um, nobody's ever doubted his ability and his talent, but uh, he's just not settled. Um, he's had, um, we're told, off-field issues that, um, you know, uh, prevented him from progressing. Um, I, you know... <laughs> I always remember Ravel Morrison for that wonder goal he scored for West Ham a few seasons ago, uh, where he, he took the ball across. He had the ball, he ran with it for about three quarters of the length of the pitch. Um, yeah, like I said, no doubt in his talent, 
Rooney took a punt on him, and p perhaps Rooney is is the uh, the the uh, right sort of person who's uh, you know helping him settle down, um, helping him to concentrate on his football, and um, it's been so far so good. You know, uh, I've been pretty happy with him to be quite honest. Uh, sometimes I think uh, Ravel Morrison is a move ahead of the other players around him. You know, when he's looking to play the ball and that. Um, the guy at, at his best is a class act. Um, hopefully, uh, it will continue. And uh, the, the only thing we're really missing at the minute, we, we'd like to see uh, one or two goals from him. But uh, I'm sure that will come, you know, provided uh, he keeps it up. Yeah, definitely. I think I agree with you there. I think I'd just like to see a little bit more end product from Ravel Morrison. But other than that, I don't, I don't really have a, a criticism of him so far. I think he's been... Is, is better than my expectations of him. Um, solid player, skillful. Like you said, looks sometimes a yard ahead of, of other players. Very much reminds me of like when Mason Mount was at Derby. Mount would sometimes play balls or he'd see things that were two or three seconds ahead of the other players being able to see things or he'd play a hapless ball. And people were like, why are you playing that? And you could see what he was trying to do, but the players couldn't react quick enough or get there quick enough. And and so hopefully Ravel can add a, a bit more end product to his game. And then we'll, we'll hopefully continue this run and, and, and continue to get the best out of him. Hopefully with this international break, he's not playing for Jamaica. Should have had a, should have had a bit of a rest, which will, which will have done him good, not having to, to travel back to CONCACAF and, and things like that. And Andy, before we finish, um, as we talk now, Derby County, are bottom of the league. Um, but that is because of the points deduction. Without the points deduction, they'd be upper mid table. This is this is a pretty good team, isn't it, Andy? Under the under the restrictions that Derby have been under, and under the uh, you know, yeah, under the restrictions that they've been under, and, and under the pressure that they've been under, th this is turning out to be a pretty good team, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a very good team to watch. Um, it's it's quite pleasing on the eye. I know we're not uh, scoring loads of goals, but there seems to be some great camaraderie, you know, between the players. Um, we, we, we brought the experienced old heads in with uh, Phil Jagielka, Richard Stearman, etc. Uh, blended them with uh, the best of our youngsters. And so far, it, it's working pretty well. You know, um, I saw a statistic the other day and it was minutes a team has been behind in games this season. And we, we, we were the fewest minutes on, on this graph. I'm not sure how accurate it is, huh. but I'll, I'll, I'll say that's not far out, actually. Um, it's the only game that I was really disappointed in, um, in, in a big way, was the Birmingham game, because I thought we could do better. But uh, other than that, uh, I think we've uh, given a good account of, of, of ourselves in, in nearly every game we played, especially the West Brom away. Even when we was coming under the cosh, the defence were holding out well. And we've got the joint best defensive record in the division. So, uh, you know, Rooney must be doing something right. You know, I'm not one of these uh, fans that was uh, on, the, on the Rooney out bandwagon uh, because you've you got to look at the situation overall. And he came in, um, the club was, well, it was in free fall. Um, he had the good run. Then he, he lost Christian Bielik which um, left a big hole in the side. And uh, we, we obviously, uh, we, we only just stayed up. But there was a lot of fans on this Rooney out bandwagon. Now, um, 
his, his, his hands have been tied, not just tied, uh, they've been shackled, you know, it, it, uh, as far as uh, things go. And so far, I think he's done a tremendous job. And I don't think there's any other manager that would have got more points out of this side. But, uh, you know, uh, fingers crossed it continues. Yeah, I would agree with you, Andy. I think for me, I was... I was not convinced by Wayne Rooney. Um, I do think that they probably could have gotten something better than Wayne Rooney in, in his manager's job. But with this season and everything like that, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and have him give him the whole oppor- uh, opportunity to, to, to not that he really cares about Corey Hancock's opinion, but, you know, to, to push me towards the Rooney in camp. And I'm 100% towards the Rooney in camp right now because of, because just like you said, um, a lot of other managers, you know, we said Philip Kaku had done really well and he, and he did for, for what he was trying for what he had to deal with. Rooney's dealt with so much. Um, he's gone out of his way buying drones and there's been reports of him buying the, the away travel and stuff like that. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. Um, but I think he's, he's done a remarkable job and, and with, with what he's built under. And I think he's really galvanized this team. And so, so for me, my opinion is my opinion has changed of, of Rooney. Um, I think that he, Right now, for this 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 version, this vintage of Derby County, he's probably the right man, um, and it just needs some a steward to to take Derby forward a little bit as a kind of a Nigel Clough kind of thing, um, steady the ship a little bit, get Derby back to competing, and then hopefully take that next step to the to the next thing. But um, can I just say, I mean, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people um, take the Mickey of it on when he interviews because there's a lot of errs, uh, you know. But uh, and the imply that um, is stupid. You you go look at uh, highlights of his career. No player that um, produced some of the moves that he did in his career can be stupid. They they've got a a solid, sound, really intelligent football brain. And just because somebody isn't a great orator doesn't mean that they haven't got the the brains to do the job. Yeah, I would agree with you, Andy. And I think for someone like myself who. Um, when I started out, you know, I used to use a lot of ums and everything like that on, on the various different shows I that I used do. to do and, and different books. Yes, yeah, exactly. I still do. Yeah. Um, but I, I do, I do try to, to get better at it. And, and it is one thing that takes, that takes a lot of practice and I'm sure will come with time with, with Wayne as well. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'm not stupid, but you know, that that's jury still, <laughs> jury's still out on that one, Andy, jury, jury's still out on that one, but I would agree with you. It takes a lot of practice and, and to be able to stand up there and to do, um, those kind of conversations and things like that without, without using those kind of words and just relying on the silence is, is something that is, that is um, a task that, that needs a lot of practicing and a lot of honing. So I'm sure Wayne will get there, but I, I agree with you as well. I think when you look at who Wayne Rooney's worked under, when you look at who he's played with, when you look at the experiences that he's had in the game, uh, there are very few that have a CV as, as good as Wayne Rooney. Um, and so, you know, if, if, Sure. If he doesn't speak well, if he's not a great orator, that's fine. Whatever. We're not looking at someone here with a, with a great, um, a great, you know, we don't need someone to go out there and give speeches. We just need someone to galvanize a football team to get three points on a Saturday and keep them in a division. So, and if he's got the wherewithal and the tactical nows to do that, then he can use that many ums, errs or whatever he wants for as long as he wants, as long as he can get the results on the pitch. I think that's, that's the only thing that matters. And sometimes it's a different thing, right? If you're, if you're talking with your friends or you're talking with your family, you're not going to use those. But then when you're talking in a more public forum, you're trying to think about what you want to say and those kind of things. Uh, those, those kind of negative space kind of interjections there are going to come in a little bit more uh, into a conversation. Especially off the cuff. 
Yeah, exactly. Into yeah. into a conversation as well. So, um, well, Andy, that that's all I've got. I appreciate you you taking the time, and and I wanted to just give a shout out there to uh, to Scott, your son, who's doing an amazing job with the MH Blue Lions. Uh, I've been keeping a track on on his on his bludgeoning career, uh, fledgeoning career as he as he uh, as he takes the step into men's football. So you know, go go MH Blue Lions. That's who we'll be supporting in the international breaks as our as our youth football team. But Andy, I want to thank you so much for uh, you know joining me this evening and chatting all things Derby and, and football finance. I know both I did, and we 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 both kind of went on a little bit of separate rants, and that's okay because that's what it's here for. Um, and and hopefully we can we can chat again soon. Yeah, I hope so. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us on again, Corey. Yeah, not a problem, Andy. And, and that's all we've got for this week, um, Rams fans. And, and we will be back in the near future as we preview the Luton game and other upcoming games as well. Hopefully, Jason will be beside me again in the very near future. But like I said, he's off doing his doing his work thing. Um, I'll be off in a couple of weeks as I, as I hit the trail. So Jason will be along with you in a couple of weeks solo, uh, maybe with some special guests. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, but until next time, there's only one thing left to say. And that's up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at Rams Review 1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com until next time up the ramps the rams review podcast are proud to be part of the fan hub 100 putting fans first